Welcome to another episode of the Sports Bros Podcast, featuring the almighty B-Live, the money man, Scotty D, and your host, the head of creative, Eddie Cool. And without any further ado, let's give it up for the Sports Bros. Hey, what's going on, world? This be your boy, Eddie Cool, a.k.a. the HOC at the Sports Bros Podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 81. Scotty D didn't know. What's the hockey player named Phil Kessel? Did he play for the Bruins or the Penguins or both teams? He was a Penguin. Okay, yeah, Phil Kessel wore 81. T.O. wore 81. Uh, a lot of people wore the number 81. Yes, 81 is a, is, is a great number, great number. Great number. And 81 is also representation of the number of podcasts that we've done. Scotty D, not too far away from episode 100. But before I go any further, I know I said his name earlier, but I'm going to introduce him again. The pride of Washington, Pennsylvania, the one, the only, the money man, Scotty D. Boy, am I happy to be here today. It is uh, a, a big, we had a, yet another big weekend of sports. And as uh, our regular listeners know, we are listening or we are recording this on Monday evening uh, to be released on Tuesday. So that means we don't yet know if the Dallas Cowboys are able to pull off a, a victory on Monday night as of this recording. I hope that uh, all you Cowboy fans out there are really happy as we listen today. Hopefully we'll, we'll get this Monday night victory, but that'll spare you at least from the in-depth analysis of a, of a cowboy meltdown on this particular episode. So I'm ready to proceed uh, with uh, <laughs> elsewhere in the world of sports here, Eddie Cool. So, uh, my my non-cowboy fans are giving you the week off from this one. Yeah, we're going to give your ears a rest. We're going to give your ears <laughs> a rest, but it could be worse. You could be a Jets fan. Hi, oh. How the hell Adam Gates has a job is is beyond me, Scotty D. I, I thought that when it I thought that when it comes to all professions, no matter if you're a server, a head coach, or a manager, all these jobs are performance based. So how the hell he still got a job? Isn't that something? I, you know, we we've been talking the last couple of weeks about the coaches that have already fallen by the wayside, uh, Quinn and Bill O'Brien, and I, I was saying to you that I thought initially week four was early to fire a coach in a particular season. Well, here we are a couple weeks in. And, and since that seemed like it was going to be the trend, I am, I'm like you, I am surprised that Adam Gase still has a job. Maybe by the time this podcast comes out, he won't, who knows, but usually it takes something really bad. to just like, you feel like your team has hit rock bottom in order for the owners or GM to make the change. I can't see anything worse for this team other than what, what happened to him on Sunday is getting blown out by the Dolphins. I mean, that's also not a very good team. You know, you understand you may lose that, but this team, Adam Gase does not have any control of this team. Not, at this point, I can't see how they're, how they're listening to him. You got to get another voice in the room there. And you and I were talking before about Greg Williams as his defensive coordinator and that's a guy who doesn't seem to carry a ton of respect throughout the league at this point either. And there's some cracks between those two. He, he made some remark last week uh, where it almost like was a veiled remark that the defense is doing better than the offense, but neither side's doing good, man. They're, they're lousy. Eddie, they're not going to win. They're not going to win a game this year. In the 2021 draft, 
The New York Jets select Trevor Lawrence, University of Clemson. But before we go too deep into football talk, Scotty D, we got us a World Series, man. We got us a World Series. As of Sunday night, the World Series has been set in stone. It's been decided. The Dodgers were able to defeat the Braves and... We have the waiting, the Tampa Bay Rays versus the L.A. Dodgers. Scotty D., do you think I have a chance to say that Clayton Kershaw is a bomb in the World Series or not? <laughs> I, I, well, you're gonna get, we're, we're going to get another look at him. This guy just gets opportunity after, after opportunity every fall. I'm to the point, I don't want to see him get beat up anymore. I'm rooting for the guy because he, he's, a to me, a somewhat likable guy from what, I, what I've seen of him. You know, he's... And he's really one of the great pitchers of our era, but that just hasn't translated in, in the postseason for the most part. Um, there, I, I don't know this to be true for sure, but I, there's a possibility he's starting game one. I don't know if that has been announced as of yet or not, but he may end up being the game one starter. I know when it came to the, the game seven, all hands were on deck, but um he didn't get the call. Neither did Kenley Jansen, actually. Dave Roberts stuck with, um, oh, his name escapes me. Is it uh, Urias? Uh, oh, shoot. Yes, Urias. You pitched last yeah, night. Yeah, and he went the last three innings. And I love how Roberts decided not to just be formulaic and say, I'm going to my closer. Um, that, that, you know, a lot of managers have a tendency to do that, just to stick to their plan. But he managed by feel. And I know that Kenley Jansen has struggled some late this season, but he had a pretty good night the night before. I just, I liked the the fact that Roberts managed on field. Could you imagine if he had put Kenley Jansen in and he had given up the tying run in that game on, on Sunday, that would have been bad for him. You know, it would have, people would have really started second guessing him. He, he, he's been second guessed throughout playoffs past, but uh, I, I liked, I liked how, uh, how he stuck to his gun there. And, you know, I predicted that the that the Dodgers were going to beat the Braves. Didn't honestly foresee them falling behind three to one, Eddie. But the Braves, you know, they got that exciting young team. The the Dodgers, the veterans, I think that's really what came through is them being there before. They didn't panic. They just went out and grinded through one one bat at a time, one inning at a time. And truthfully, if you really want to be honest about it, the two best teams are going to be playing each other in the World Series this year. The Rays were the best team in the American League all season, and the Dodgers were the best in the National League by far all season. So um, when it all was said and done, it seems like the right teams are there. I mean, it doesn't always work out that way, but as far as regular season, the two best teams are going to be playing in this series, Eddie. Yeah, you're right. They were both uh, the number one overall seeds in um, their respective leagues. And, uh, yeah, you know, as much as I would love to see the Braves go back to another World Series and probably, you know, be choke artists again, um, the Dodgers had more firepower, man. That May kid, the guy with the red hair, did you see, like, the first three pitches of the game last night? Yeah. 100, 99, 95. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Straight gas, out the gate. And, and you know, and, and that's actually one thing that I don't like, that, that we're still in that opener fad, that this, you know, you, you, you pitch him an inning. And then you burn him, and then you go go to your bullpen, and, and I just I'm not a fan of that. It, it actually didn't it, it didn't work for the Yankees. I know a lot of teams are doing it. I, I'm of the belief that you got to have three really good pitchers, and your four and fives have to be good enough to give you four or five innings to start. Now I know that things are a little bit different this year with the COVID 
schedule. Like these guys played all the way through without days off in between. I think the World Series are going to get breaks after games two. And um, I'm not sure the rest of the schedule, how that works. But I think there are going to be a, a more traditional schedule with the World Series. But, you, you know, these championship series, they were running straight through. I'm not a fan of the opener. I know that that's the trend in baseball right now. You know, baseball has tendency to to skew towards trends. I mean, we see the shift and, you know, everyone talks about the launch angle and exit velocity, and, you know, it's and the, the bullpenning. I, I'm not a fan of that, but they did what they had to do to get through, to get through that, that seventh game. So, it, you know, it, it, it worked out in that instance. The, the real choke job would have been if the Rays – had blown that three to nothing lead and given up. I mean, they, they, they were up three to nothing and had to go to a game seven to win. And oh, what a nightmare would have been to see the Astros back in there. I mean, anybody who's a baseball fan outside of the Astros organization was rooting against that team this year. What a man. Could you imagine if they would have ended up coming back from three to nothing that had only been the second team ever after the Oh four Red Sox to do that. Eddie, man, People would have been mad to watch the Astros. Would have been mad at the Rays, and the Rays have been looked at as big choke artists. But uh, they rebounded and <laughs> they somehow pulled it together because the momentum was really against them going into Game Seven. As you said in uh, in our group chat, freaking Astros, oh. freak goes the freaking Astros. But as soon as I saw it come across my screen late that night. The Tampa Bay Rays are advancing to the World Series. I was like, yes, there are baseball gods. I'm telling you, man, the Houston Astros have had a relatively easy season because we know, Scotty D, if coronavirus was not here and the fans were in the stands, it would have been been very uncomfortable for those um, Houston Astros, man. It would have been very, very uncomfortable. So we got a World Series. Uh, yeah, we got the two best teams in the league statistically. Um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be very, very exciting. It's going to be on Fox, the 2020 World Series. Scotty, do you remember at one point we didn't know if we was going to have a baseball season? Yeah, or not. so the, this is uh, this has actually been kind of nice because it's felt a little bit normal. And I tell you, we, we talked about this earlier in the summer about the crowd noise being pumped in. I actually really liked the fact that they did that for the playoffs. It gave it to me more of a playoff feel, you know, and there were some fans in, in, in some of them. They started letting some of them back in, but it, 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 to me, it felt watching these games, especially these games six and seven, where, you know, the intensity was really ramped up. It, to me, it felt kind of normal. You know, the rest of the season didn't feel very normal to me. It felt weird. Even the, the, the first round, you know, that kind of that, two game best of three wild card round, however they, they wanted to call it. That wasn't, that wasn't yeah. normal baseball. You know, it was, you know, you had got, we had games playing all day, like in a March madness style. I liked it, but it just didn't feel normal, but this to me, it, it felt kind of right watching these, these two championship series. And Eddie, a star was born here, man. It's Randy Rosarena of the Rays. He actually, he just carried that team, man, more than, more than any non-pitcher can do. That that kid was on fire. Uh, he's only 25 years old. He's a star. He seems like a likable kid. Um, yeah, he's got a bright future, and he he just he he took the baseball world by storm here in the postseason. And and opposite of what the other series did, 
you know, the Rays sent out Charlie Morton. This is a guy who pitched the game seven of the World Series for the Astros a few years ago. They sent him out, and he, I think he was a calming influence on that young team to have a, a, a veteran that was, that was there rather than them having to worry about an opener and then getting X amount of outs from the next guy and X amount of outs from the next guy. They had Charlie Morton go out there and pitch a really nice game for the, for the Rays in game seven. So yeah, we got Rays and Dodgers. I, I, I think I, I felt all along it was the Dodgers year. I think it's going to be the Dodgers year. I wouldn't be surprised if this went, if this went seven though, just the way that uh, the, I watch how these teams you know, went back and forth in their in their respective championship series. But I'm going to go with the Dodgers. I'm going to say it's going to be seven-game series. I'm taking the Dodgers in seven. What about you? I'm with you, man. I, I think it's going to go seven. Um, both teams are young. They have a lot of fight. Uh, a lot of similarities between the two teams. They have great pitching. They have, you know, great young hitters. It's just, you know, like you said, Tampa Bay has that mix of um, – the veteran pitcher to kind of calm the guys down a little bit and Randy Rosarena and then you got Bellinger for the Dodgers and then you got Betts and then you got uh, and then you got Lowe or Lau or whatever his name is. You got a whole lot going on, man. You have a whole lot going on, man, but um it's gonna be tooth and nail, man. Nothing easy, no givens. Uh seven games, Dodgers, and I and and <laughs> and <laughs> like I've notoriously been known to call Clinton Kershaw uh bomb. I hope he don't does it this year. Oh, if, if if he was World Series this year, I'll retire that because I don't want to <laughs> call this man a bum. I I I don't want to do that. One two things I don't want to do is cause people their jobs and call them a bum. I mean, I do want to give this guy a chance to redeem himself because, as you said, Scotty D, he's one of the best pitchers of this here generation. That he is. Anything else you want to talk yeah, about I, before we move well, right just on? To, just to kind of bottle that up, like you were saying. Uh, th- this Dodgers team is actually pretty young outside of Kershaw. I think Justin Turner might be 35. He's a little bit older. But most of these other guys on that team, this core team of the Dodgers, are 30 and under with a wealth of playoff experience already. So this team is going to be around for a little while. If Kershaw doesn't get it done here, they may have to move on from him for the sole fact that the rest of this team is is – they're going to be contending for, for several years, I think, to come. And if they need to find better pitching to get them through this. If he fails them and they lose this World Series, we could be looking at the end of the line for Kershaw as a Dodger. I mean, we may be looking at that anyway because he's getting up mm-hmm. there in years, and I'm not sure what his contract status is. He may be at the end of the line with his contract. Don't hold me to that. I, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm a fan. I'm not an expert. But – uh Either way, they need he needs to be good for this team right now because this is their year. This is their time. So Kershaw, man, he could he could wipe away all those years of uh, of not getting it done by pitching at least a good start, and then maybe if he has to come out of the bullpen and get some outs later in the series, we'll see. He's probably gonna if this thing does go seven, like we're saying, he'll probably have to start twice. I mean, he's you know this time of year. You got to get your you got to get your starters your better starters in uh, that you you usually don't go past a third starter maybe a fourth once in a while but Kershaw's going to have to pitch well for them to do this so hope he does hope he's able to do it man I I, I just I, I want to see good baseball I like both these teams this is one of those series I don't have a a serious dog in the fight where I'm rooting hard for one or the other I just want to see some good baseball so hope we're doing that eh? hope, hope we get to see some see a, a game seven in this series. We just didn't want to see the Astros. Oh, <laughs> for the love of God. And we got what yeah. we wanted. We get, yeah. 
Uh, we got what we <laughs> wanted. And moving right along, we're going to talk about football, 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 week six of the NFL. And, Scotty D, we had a lot going on. Now, um, they said it was, yeah, the game of the week between the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, it wasn't really a big-time battle as we thought it would have been between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Um, Green Bay gets thumped 38-10 on the road. Scotty, what the hell happened? That's <laughs> a great question because it looked like at the beginning of this game that Green Bay had a chance to jump out and run away and hide from these guys. I think they were up 10 nothing, And then uncharacteristically, Aaron Rodgers throws a couple of picks, one of which was returned for a touchdown right off the bat, made it 14-10, to 10, and that was it. The pack was they, – they were done scoring for the day. And, uh, you know, you don't often see Aaron Rodgers look rattled. He just didn't look himself to me. He looked a little – like his body language to me suggested, his facial expression suggested a little bit that he just wasn't having his best day. I don't see that out of Aaron Rodgers too often. But, you know, I was sitting there watching as I was watching this game and, and, and the Buccaneers just started piling up points after points. I was sitting there thinking, you know, this is the kind of game that these two teams are both really good. They're both going to be in the postseason. We might see this game again. And if we do, we're not going to see Aaron Rodgers have another day like this. We're going to see this Green Bay team. I still believe Green Bay is the better of the two teams. So we might get to see a, a rematch of this uh, sometime in January. Don't be surprised if the Battle of the Bays Part 2 happens again. Um, lo- you know, long time between now and then. But I, I'm just suggesting that I think that with those two teams, that this was a, this might not be a one-off for the season. I mean, we've seen that how many times before in the playoffs, Eddie, where we say, oh, these two teams met early in the season. Here's what happened. And then you get a different outcome. Um, sometimes you get the same. But I, I think uh, – Given another shot at Tampa Bay, uh, Aaron Rodgers will, will come out on top. But hey, man, Tampa Bay's defense—they they look legit. I mean, that—that's that was a—that wasn't just a—that wasn't the Jets they were playing on Sunday. That's Aaron Rodgers and a really good Green Bay team. That defense is legit, Eddie. I, I'm sold on them after this week. Yeah, to hold um that the high-powered Green Bay offense at ten points. Everybody's gelling, man. I mean, you still got Kong Su there. You still got, and they've, and they've had a stout interior def, uh, defensive line. I said that last year, and people are like, uh huh, whatever. I'm like, no, they're good defensively. It's just Jameis Winston was at the helm last year, and he gave you know teams thirty reasons to uh to uh, yeah. <laughs> to go ahead and um beat the brakes off of Tampa Bay. But nevertheless, man, um something something's going something's brewing in the Bay, man. Something's brewing in South Florida, and uh. Tampa Bay might, you know, hey, you already know, okay, well, Tom Brady going down there. I mean, say what you may, uh, Tom's going down there winning games. Uh, Tom and Gronk connected, and Gronk got his first touchdown in 5,491 days or something like that. Yeah. So once they so once they can get that established again, once they can get that run game with Ronald Jones established again, um, not to mention they got Chris Godwin back and Mike Evans. and I mean, they, they can make a serious run for the NFC Championship, let alone the division. I think they can really make a serious run. But like you said, Scotty D, um, won't be surprised if we see this matchup again, possibly for the NFC Championship in um, between Green Bay and Tampa Bay from the old Norris division, the old black and blue division, right. as uh, Chris Berman yeah. once called it. So, um yeah, we can't we can't wait to see it, but we can't wait to see that. So the Browns, Scotty, did they get, they get thumped by the Steelers? Are we surprised? 
No, I actually bet on that game. <laughs> I took the Steelers and gave, I think, three and a half or four points. I can't remember. I, I made the bet early in the week because I was so convinced that Pittsburgh was going to do exactly what they did. The Steelers have quietly been one of the, the best teams in the league this year. And Cleveland, I still think they're their baby brother in that division, still trying to look up and, and beat the Steelers. And I just... You know, as as much as Cleveland thrashed the Cowboys last week, they or two weeks ago, they did it with the run game, and Baker Mayfield didn't have much to. He he had an easy day against Dallas, but he's he's. It doesn't look to me from what I've seen, and I didn't see a whole lot of that game, but I saw some of that game on Sunday. From what I've seen. He's not taking the big strides yet. He still doesn't look like the guy. Out of that draft class, the guy is Josh Allen so far. I mean, Sam Darnold looks like he's awful. I don't even know if Josh Rosen's on the team. I mean, this that draft class with all the highly touted quarterbacks is is not faring well. I mean, I, I don't I don't think Baker Mayfield's terrible. I just think that he he's capable of having terrible games. And I don't know that he's capable of having consistently great games if that makes any sense you know like he it, it seems like when things are going to start going bad for him he's not able to fight through it and, and scrounge through it whereas you know next week do you expect to see Aaron Rodgers to have a terrible game I don't I think I don't even know who Green Bay plays next week but I bet he'll come out and throw 300 yards and have a, a fantastic day and eliminate the turnovers Baker still may have trouble throwing for 200 next week, no matter who he plays. You know, it's just, he, he's still the X factor for that Cleveland team because the team is definitely getting better for sure. But in the meantime, Pittsburgh, man, they, they have, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm not a Steeler fan, Eddie, uh, but man, they're, 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 <laughs> they're looking good. And, you know, you were wondering before the season is, is Roethlisberger going to be able to get back to form? Um, are they going to be able to 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 run with Connor? Is he going to be healthy? Is Juju Smith-Schuster going to be a true number one receiver? And actually, I don't know if he is a, a true number one receiver, but with Chase Claypool there, he doesn't have to worry about that because that kid is going out and putting up numbers. I mean, yeah, they call yeah they call him Maple Tron. Maple Tron. Yeah, because the similarities between him and uh, Megatron, uh, Charles Johnson. But go ahead. That, that well, that was it. The, the, this the Steelers' receiving core, adding that kid in is, you know, they're they're spreading the ball around. I mean, they're running the ball. There's, you know, Connor had a hundred yards on Sunday. Um, I don't know how many different guys caught balls. One, two, three, four. It's like seven different guys caught balls. They, the Steelers, appear early to be hitting their stride. They're five and zero, oh, and. I don't see a way that Cleveland Cleveland can't they're not going to compete for this division this year at at this point. I think that was that was already the dagger yesterday and with the Ravens in between. I think the Steelers are better than the Ravens at this point. I just do. And to the I think Roethlisberger's been answering the questions already that you know that made the Steelers team last year without him still competitive but not able to push through. Roethlisberger's he's He's playing like a veteran, you know. He just he, he's looking good enough for them to do it, man. So I hate to say it, but the Steelers I, look good. I, you know, I see two teams going in two completely different directions. Um, well, I don't know if I agree with that, Eddie, because I, I I still think Cleveland. I mean, they're still they're four and two 
I mean, it's, I mean, a few mm-hmm. years ago, they won zero games, you know? So I do, I do, I don't, I, I don't yeah, think they're going the wrong yeah. direction. I just don't think they're quite up to, to par with the Steelers yet. And their quarterback play long-term could be a problem. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Uh, you, you look at Big Ben, you know, he's won a couple Super Bowl rings. He's been there, done that. Surefire first ballot Hall of Fame. Now, as you remember last year, you know, they went nine and seven with Duck Dodgers <laughs> yeah. in the 21st century. And um and uh M- M- Mason Rudolph, um with and, and they pulled it together for a nine and seven season, which under the new rules they would have qualified for the playoffs. So they didn't have a a very bad right. season last right. year. Um with with Big Ben back, that just solidifies everything. You have you know constant player quarterback, then you have James Conner, and don't forget you got Juju Smith Schuster as you mentioned, James Washington, and also Mapletron uh, Claypool, which he hates that name. Um, then you have him there too. So they, they have the pieces to make a good run. Um, they make a good run in the playoffs, a good, a good solid run. And so, and, and with that defense, I'm like, man, this, this defense, like the Steelers defense of old, because as you know, traditionally the Steelers are known for their, for their smothering, you know, smack you in the mouth defense. And um, as long as everybody stay healthy on the Steelers, um, it's going to be, a, it's, you know, Baltimore better pack a lunch, Cleveland better pack a lunch, and don't let that one four and one record down in Cincinnati fool you, because the Bengals, the Bengals, they will play you, they will play you. Just ask the Colts, because they almost gave one, Colts almost gave them that one uh, the other day. Cleveland, um, they got to figure something out, Baker Mayfield, man, because you, I mean, Kareem Hunt, he uh, had 13 carries for 40 yards. Uh, the leading receiver was tight end Austin Hooper. He had five grabs for 52 yards. And Baker Mayfield with 10 for 18, 119 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Something has to be figured out, Scott, because if you look at Kevin Stefanski and what he's done with Minnesota, he had, what, Case Keenum for a while, and then he had uh, Mr. You Like That, Kirk yeah. Cousins, right? The th- and the thing about them, he didn't ask too much for them. They Minnesota ran in two tight ends, power running, run it down your throat, and they just so happened to have Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, and it made it work. So I think whatever uh, formula that he had in Minnesota, he's going to have to bring that here in um, Cleveland because Baker Mayfield is not all world. He's not a bum, but I don't think he's the guy for the job right now because y- y- you got two all world talent. And and you got Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, and you got a nice tight end, and also uh, you have your parts, and then you have Nick Chubb who'll be back in a you know, in a handful of weeks, and your o- offensive line is like built for the run. You know, I call that cold weather football. So, Cleveland, Ohio, do not hit the panic button right now. You are four and two, okay, and you have room to grow. But Baker Mayfield, man, I'm starting to wonder, man, should it be time to cut bait with his well, head or what? you know, he's had, uh, what, four head coaches in three years. So you, you got to give him a little bit of leeway. But at the same time, the rest of the team is growing. If he's not keeping up, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if at some point he goes out and lays an egg and they do pull him for Case Keenum. Because Baker Mayfield, you have to remember, he was the number one pick overall. That's the guy, when you get yep. the number one pick overall, that guy has to be awesome. You have to get Andrew Luck kind of production. You know, you have to get Troy Aikman kind of production when, when you're number one overall. 
you don't want to just to be I, like I heard him say on the radio, like Alex Smith. Alex Smith was number one overall. Well, Baker's not as good as Alex Smith. You know, not not yet. Not anyway, it's it's too early to completely give up on him. But man, you're you're starting to get into the you're starting to put enough enough film together to realize what you have with this guy. And I, I don't know if with, with this coach, like you said, um, if he, he he's I mean, he's co- going to be coaching for his job, too. So if this guy is hurting him at quarterback, like if your team is growing around you and this is the one area that's that's faltering, then yeah, Baker Baker's time might be limited here. He he's right now he's shown the early characteristics of a journeyman quarterback career. You know what I mean? He, he's he's looking oh, more boy. like uh, like a Mark Sanchez kind of guy who had some early success and then never panned out and just goes from team to team. It, it, yeah, I don't know. Ba- Baker's got to. He, I, I do think he might be running out of time, Eddie. You, you know, especially if, if, like I said, if he lays another egg in Cleveland, these other guys want to get into the playoffs this year. You don't have time for any more growing pains. You want, you want to move ahead, and yeah, you might have to find somebody else to do that. Case Keenum's shown before; he's a decent, he's a decent quarterback. Yeah, and think about it: is Case Keenum knows the system right. of Kevin Stefanski, so. That familiarity is good. And if the Browns want to go ahead and move on with Case Keenum, I don't see no problems with it. I don't see no whatsoever because if I'm okay with Stefanski, look here. We're going to hand it to Kareem. We're going to hand it to Nick Chubb. We're going to have these design plays for you. Don't you go out there and do too damn much. Same thing he did in Minnesota. Probably going to be the same thing he did in Cleveland. Scotty D, guess who get their first win? We had a couple teams that did that, I believe, right? Yep, we got the Falcons. They hung 40 points on the Vikings. Oh, man, what the hell is going on with the Vikings? And then we have the New York football Giants. They beat the football team by one, and they get their first W of the season, which means (laughs) big-ass Adam Gates and the Jets, they still laying goose eggs. And we just talked about that earlier, Scotty D. Like we said, man, that Well, to come full circle on that, by winning a single game, Atlanta – and the Giants have both now taken themselves out of the sweepstakes for Trevor Lawrence because the Jets are not going to win. They're not beating anybody this year. That team is as bad a team as I've ever seen. They they got nothing, Eddie. Yeah, they they get, got nothing. And what they did have, a big-time they, running back, they just let him go this past week. Yeah, they're they're in whether, you know, they're in a mid-season oh. rebuild mode. Whether whether they, whether they want to admit or not, you know, you, you get rid of and, and the thing about it is, like I told you, I said, wow, looking at Robbie Anderson in Carolina, is this the same Robbie Anderson that played for the Jets? Robbie Anderson is flourishing. He's playing well. And, and the Jets as a whole started to play a little bit better together last year. But th- they're a mess. They're, they're a mess. They have Flacco. They're playing Flacco for crying out loud. I mean, Waka Flacco Flacco. I mean, that, that candle was burnt <laughs> a long time ago, man. It, that's. The Jets are a mess. They're getting number one. Jacksonville is going to be kicking themselves if they won opening day because Jacksonville is not going to win a whole lot th- this year either, if at all, again. But if you have a one right now, and every team in the league does now except the Jets, you have eliminated yourself from the Trevor Lawrence conversation because the Jets yeah. are about <laughs> to lock that baby up. That is a bad team. They about to tank uh, 
76ers style. Um, speaking of teams, people, speaking of tanks, Derrick Henry, what more needs to be said about Derrick Henry? They beat the Texans in overtime, uh, 42 to 30. He's a, he's a bulldozer, man. Yeah, he's a bulldozer. He exploded on a big 94 yard run. Derrick Henry's on fire, man. He was on fire. I remember I heard something on ESPN first take talking about put some respect on Ryan Tannehill's name and he being an MVP candidate. What? Come on now. I mean, I, I see what you mean, but you know, the real true MVP on that team is Derrick Henry. Like Derrick Henry just he he just runs the ball with ferocity. I mean, he made poor Josh Norman famous meme for of the year the wrong reasons. I mean, <laughs> meme of the year, man, meme of the year. Big brother versus little brother, get your ass out the way. And so, um, yeah, man. So we got the undefeated Titans. Then we have the Seahawks. They're still undefeated. Then we have the Steelers are undefeated. So we have three undefeated teams um, left in the National Football League. And the San Francisco 49ers, they're starting to look normal again. They get their first win at home. Uh, 24-16 over the very game, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, th- those are two teams that, that, that are trending in the right direction. Uh, San Francisco had a rough start because they went they went to the Meadowlands and everybody was dropping like flies, but they're slowly starting to round back in the form. And then the Jets are starting to turn. I mean, um, the Rams, they're starting to turn everything up as well, too. And uh, with that being said, Scotty D, uh, what well, I'll tell you week? one thing that I, I guess I relearned. Um, and that is that, well, let me just first say this. I, I've always been one that I, I don't, I, I fault coaches for being conservative. And I always like it, it if, if you lose because you're being aggressive, then so be it. I like whenever coaches say, you know, we're, we're not holding back. We're not playing this safe. We're going for wins. But there's a reason why guys like Romeo Cornell are coordinators and not head coaches. Going for two was inexcusable in this game whenever you already had a a seven-point lead and kicking the extra point late in that game gives you an eight-point lead and forces Tennessee to have to score basically twice, score a touchdown, and then get the two-point conversion. And if they do that, so be it, then you go to overtime. But Going for two in that situation, I heard actually, I'll tell you something. I heard Mike Greenberg of ESPN Radio saying, Romeo Cornell absolutely made the right choice. You do that and you put the game out of reach because two point conversions this year are have a 48% success rate. I said, okay, well, 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 yeah, okay, but high. it's still less than half. So if, if, it, if, if getting a two point conversion, your chances are less than half. Why not make the other team be the one that's going to have that less than half percent, under 50% chance? You know, why put that on yourselves? Kick the extra point, go up eight, and then if and if your opponent scores six and they have to get two, then they're the ones in the position that if they don't get it, then they're then they fail and they they lose the game. Why put that on yourself? Why say, all right, we're going to go? I understand Deshaun Watson was hot. You know, he's he had a had a good day. That that was a terrible decision. You don't you don't make the game easier on your opponent. Uh, no, 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 no. I disagree with Mike Greenberg saying that was the right decision. Uh, so I learned that Mike Greenberg was wrong on this one, and that Romeo Cornell is meant to be a coordinator, not a head coach. I didn't like that. Hey, I I said it before, and I say it once again. The Belichick disciples 
are the world's greatest coordinators. They do not make the That's world's greatest head coaches. See Josh McDaniels as he balked at the coach job and did whatever the hell he did in Denver and Matt Patricia. Ten wins in what? Not three working years, out. Two years? Yeah. Ten, ten, ten years. Ten years. Yeah, and, 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 and listen, the Matt Patricia yep. watch is still on too. Just just because they won that hey, he bought himself another week. That means he got another yeah, week to try to hold on to the job. Because he's gonna be Yeah. They beat the Jaguars. Yeah. Big deal. You know what I mean? I could put I could put like the best twelve year olds in the neighborhood to be the damn yeah. Jaguars. <laughs> with me, with me at head coach, and you as my defensive and offensive coordinator. I just do screaming and yelling. Get over there, move your ass over there. Don't pick the ball up. What are you doing? Yeah, things of that nature. So, Scotty D, as we are recording right now, um, the Bills and the Chiefs. Uh, the second quarter, uh, Chiefs. Uh, I'm sorry, Bills ten. Chiefs seven, yeah. Bills ten, Chiefs seven. So maybe the Bills can uh get some get back from what happened um this past Tuesday night against the Tennessee Titans and the Monday night headliner. We got the Cardinals and the Cowboys. Anything else you want to discuss I about think week that's six of the NFL? Scotty I'm hoping next week we're talking saying good things about Andy Dalton. That's what I'm hoping for next week. The red rifle. That's the, that's the red rifle. Pew pew pew. Red rifle. I did like him, man. I did like him when he played in Cincinnati, man. And then you know the then JJ Watt called him the Red Rider BB gun. And I was like, ooh, and things have things have never been the same uh for Cincinnati. Matter of fact, uh, AJ Green looked good um yesterday too. He he really he really did look good. So he really did look good. Um and this week, uh who had a bye? The Raiders, the Saints, the Chargers, and the Seahawks. All right. Um we said last week that we would talk about college football, but we're going to wait till everybody comes back and have some meaningful games because, Scotty D, we got a lot of teams that's ranked and they ain't played a damn game in damn Yeah, that, that's, a, that's so a little strange. That? You know, I, I thought we were going to get a really good one on Saturday night. I did watch a little bit of Alabama and Georgia, and uh, Georgia seemed like they were poised to be right in there. It was going to be a slugfest all the way. And then Alabama just ran away from them in the second half. So that game ended up not being as fun as I was. <laughs> I, you know, I was having a little bit of fun watching it in the first half, and then that, that ended up being not so much fun uh clemson boy did they 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 had a great time in their game yeah they they throttled what they had what 50 points on the board already against georgia tech on saturday trevor lawrence do a a bad looking pick one of the worst throws you'll see him in his career making and eh, just went ahead and shrugged that off and just threw like a thousand touchdown passes the rest of the way so he he he's He's the runaway winner of the Heisman. You can go ahead and lock that up. Um, and then uh, didn't South Carolina do something a little something there out of your Gamecock fan? What what the, what happened with the with the Gamecocks? Yeah, they beat up the Auburn Tigers at home. That's right. That's the second year in a row that uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks have defeated a ranked opponent. That's right. Even though you know what. Yes, they played a shorthanded Vander, uh, Vanderbilt team last week. I don't care. Win's a win, whatever, whatever. And they hung 40 on them. This week, we played. they played Auburn, and they really hung in there with them, man. And so Auburn, man, they might just be falling apart, man, because I'm like, are you serious? Like, I thought Auburn was going to come in. It's going to be rum, 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 throttle city. But um, but uh, the Gamecocks said otherwise, man, is they pull out one at home too, and that was great. Yeah, good, that was good for the, the, the <laughs> yes, Carolina yes, teams yes. are winning, including Coastal Carolina, Eddie. 
Yeah, they got ranked number 25 in the coaches poll for the first time ever awesome. in school. Awesome. Good history. work there, Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Yeah, the uh, um, yeah, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, a school where <laughs> I partied at, but I did not attend. I attended uh, Ori, I attended Ori Georgetown Technical College, which is like you know walking distance from Coastal. But that's neither here nor there. We ain't gonna talk about that. <laughs> the back then we gonna talk about the here and now. Guess what time it is? Oh man, it's time for our favorite portion of the show. And with that being said, hey yo, button, hit it. And now, our favorite part of the show, the choices of the voices. Once again, thank you to the wonderful and ever so lovely young lady herself, Miss Button, to the introduction to the choices of the voices. She ain't lying. It is our favorite part of the show, a part of the show that we ever so look forward to because we have all kind of interactions on Facebook, and it's fun. F-U-N fun. And Scott, before I do any more senseless babbling, what's this week's question for the choices of the voices? All right, my friend. We asked this week, who did you think was the biggest Heisman Trophy snub? Who did not get the award in favor of someone you thought should not have gotten the award on that particular year? And we had a variety of answers there, Eddie Cool. Oh, man, we had some great ones. And leading off is... David Romito, he said, whoever lost to Chris Wanky. <laughs> that was, uh, that was, um, Chris Wanky won in 2000. I think the runner up was Josh Heupel from Oklahoma, quarterback, and also a young man by the name of Drew Brees. Yeah. So it was just, uh, other than Drew Brees, it was just kind of a hodgepodge that year. Like, hey, Chris Wanky, you look good. We're going to give it to you. Well, All right. You- yeah. Florida State was good. Yeah. They were good, but it's just, now you're looking back at hindsight, like, really? This dude? But, you know, it's for the best player in all of college football. And so that's the thing, Eddie. I think a lot of times we look back at how these guys panned out in their pro careers and hold it against them in hindsight, you know, just because they had a, you know, a great college career or great year even in college. And then they move on to the pros and they don't do anything. You know, you look at a guy like Ron Dane, who was outstanding in college, you know, so, so pro. He, he did okay. But you know he that doesn't take away from what he did this that on his Heisman season. So who else we got there, Eddie? Cool. All right, terrible Pete Tulaski, the man who will argue with the broomstick and will convince the broomstick that you're wrong, and he'll tell you why. <laughs> he said, "Well, the easiest and most simplest answer would be Peyton Manning getting robbed and snubbed for Charles Woodson." Ugh. Y- yeah. I, okay. I, I would say the same thing. He said, "But," and a big old but. I'd have to go another route, and I have two answers, and I know Scotty D, he said you, Scott, will like his answers because he know you will love his answers. All right, here we go. Number one, Herschel Walker losing out to George Rogers has to top my list. If Walker was not a freshman, he would have won unanimously. He ran for 1,616 yards and 15 touchdowns. And this is even with him sitting for 11 quarters during the season because his coach did not want to run up the score. I got it. Uh, Yes, that's right. He basically sat out for three full games and still ran up monster numbers. That's impressive. He said, my honorable mention is Emmitt Smith losing out to Andre Ware. Pete, that's I I, I like this piece. I I, I see what you did here, Pete. I like it. I like it. Yeah, he's he's, uh, 
Well, he's, he's kissing my butt, but not yours, because it was your Gamecock that won the Heisman over Herschel Walker. But back then, they really weren't giving it to the underclass guys. I don't think it was until Johnny Manziel got a Heisman that a freshman won it. That was, what, like 2012, somewhere in there. Um, Emmett Smith finished way down in the Heisman voting that, the year in, in 89. Andre Ware won that thing, but Anthony Thompson from Indiana was ahead of Emmett. Major Harris, I don't know if you remember him, but he was a, a quarterback for West Virginia. Uh, Tony Rice, quarterback from Notre Dame. All those guys finished ahead of Emmett. Um, but I like it. I like the, the the mention of Emmett. And the Peyton Manning thing, I've heard other people say that it's hard to argue against Charles Woodson because he did so much. You know, they he, he was like a lockdown defender, but he also, I think he returned punts and played a little bit of offense. He was He was outstanding. Just Peyton Manning was just such the the overwhelming glamour guy that it, it's it, it's actually surprising that he didn't win win the Heisman. I guess maybe the the weight of Michigan and what like I said, Woodson doing multiple things must have carried the weight for that one. But um, all good all good mentions there, terrible Pete. Yeah, um, yeah. Charles Woodson was all. I mean, he was like literally like all over the place, and I think it was just. I mean, it could have been a toss-up, but like as you said, you know, Tennessee versus Michigan, which holds weight, and who did more with less and less with more. So, um, yeah, Charles Woodson, man, I, I really can't debate that. You know, I really can't debate that. All right, next up we got Mike Davis. He said Larry Fitzgerald with sixteen with uh, 1,672 yards, 22 touchdowns. In 2003, he lost to Jason freaking White of Oklahoma. And that, my friends, is the correct answer. That's that's who I'm going with, too, Mike Davis. And, you know, I'm biased because I'm a Pitt guy. But, Eddie, let me tell you something. That Pitt team that year was 8-4. and four, So them not being a contender worked against Larry Fitzgerald. But having said that, everybody knew that Larry Fitzgerald was getting the ball that he was all that Pitt really had. I think Rod Rutherford was the name of the quarterback that year. Everybody knew that Larry Fitzgerald was going to get the ball, and he still caught 92 balls and 22 touchdowns that year. The first game he didn't have a touchdown was the bowl game that year. Um, and I and don't ask me to tell you who he was playing in that game. Well, he, he won the Walter Camp Award that year. That's the best player as voted on by head coaches and sports information directors. Jason White of Oklahoma won that award because they had the best team, that the better the team. Um that was a that was a team Heisman. Larry Fitzgerald deserved that. I'll go to my grave saying that, buddy. Larry Fitzgerald was the best player in the nation that year, and playing a position that relies on someone else who was not a pro quarterback. It's not like you know he had Peyton Manning throwing him the ball. Larry Fitzgerald, his career has never really had consistently a great quarterback. He's had good quarterbacks here and there, but consistently through his career in the pro and college. That just goes to show you what an incredible receiver he is. He got snubbed. Good call, Mike Davis. What else you got there, Eddie? Cool. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Corey Logren, he said Vince Young. Uh, Vince Young was in 2005. He lost it to Reggie Bush. And if you remember, they stripped it from Reggie Bush and offered it to Vince Young, and he said, no, nah, I'm not going to take it that way. But uh, that was, that was uh, right in the heart of that dominant couple of years for – Southern California, where Matt Leinart won it the year before in 2004. And I think somebody mentioned Adrian Peterson being one of the snubs. Isn't that on our list, Eddie? Uh, let me browse over the list right fast. 
Yes. Uh, matter of fact, uh, Joe Gafkin, he said that in 2004, Adrian Peterson, he said Peterson was a freshman, and I don't think a freshman had ever won the Heisman, as we uh, said earlier, right. uh, up to that point. He ran for 1,800 yards, 15 touchdowns. AP racked up a lot of those yards against some tough teams that year. And Scotty D, ding, 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 that's my answer, too. Is that right? Okay. <laughs> Yep, yep, that is my answer too. And I'm just like, oh, and but like you said, it was that University of Southern Cal dominance that kind of just trumped everything. Just like we said about Michigan and um, Charles Woodson and Peyton Manning not winning in the Heisman, you can say the same thing can be applied to um, Adrian Peterson not winning the Heisman and um, Matt Leinart uh, finishing first. Actually, third place that year was his teammate, Jason Freaking White. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Jason freaking White. Yeah, man, Oklahoma has some good teams, and um, that's back when the Big Twelve was tough. Yeah, but but again, yeah. the that, those Southern Cal teams for those couple of years, I mean, that, they were like watching a pro team. They were really, really yep. good, and they were the glamour team. And it's it's hard to say that Matt Liner didn't deserve the Heisman that year because he, he did have a, a stellar year. He just had, he was surrounded with some really great receivers. He was a lot of them just throwing that ball down the field and they were going and getting it. And then the same thing with Vince Young the following year. He was a one man band for Texas, and Reggie Bush was outstanding with, with Southern Cal. So those guys went in back to back Heisman's, took, uh, took it away from AP and Vince Young. But those are, those are very good, uh, very good instant, uh, you know what I'm trying to say. Good picks. Good picks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> So, Scotty D, check it out. Guess who was? Guess who finished ninth place in Heisman voting back in two thousand and four? Ninth place in two thousand four. You have to, you have to bring me up to speed on this one. I got you. The bad man himself, Aaron uh, Rodgers, who will not have a who will not have a bad game. I hope not for fantasy <laughs> purposes next week. So, uh, yeah, he was a junior and he finished ninth place. And tenth place was Bay, uh, Braylon Edwards, and eighth was JJ Arrington. Exactly. Yeah, some guys we don't even remember anymore. All right, let's see. Moving right along, back to the list. Um, Ill Will Barry, he said Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Barry San- uh, he broke Barry Sanders' all-purpose yards record. He had TDs rushing, receiving punt returning. He was Mr. Everything. He did it all. Heisman voters admitted they said, uh, we didn't vote for him because uh, they didn't stay up late enough to watch the West Coast <laughs> games. And they call that East Coast bias. You know what, Scotty D, think about it. When's the last time you stayed up to watch a Stanford and Arizona State game uh, at ten thirty? Well, I'm not maybe the best guy to ask because I'm a night owl, so I I occasionally will be watching a late night game like that. But there is a great point made there where a lot of people are going to pass on that. I mean, usually if you're going to stay up, it's because Southern Cal was playing, right? Back, you know, not yep. not necessarily Stanford, and. He did lose in in, in <laughs> to a pretty stellar guy in Derrick Henry that year, and Derrick Henry was running people over at Alabama just the way he's doing now. Uh, that's one of those ones that I could see going either way. I don't think there was a wrong answer. Just McCaffrey ran into uh, Alabama at the time. That already broken through with Ingram, I think, winning the Heisman. That I think Ingram was their first Heisman Trophy winner just a few years prior to that. So they finally broke through and, you know, all the eyes of the, of the college football world have been on Alabama. Whereas the eyes are closed when McCaffrey is playing. So that's a great point there. Yeah. The East coast eyes were asleep, yeah. but you know, if you watch enough highlights, you, you would go, like, Hey, you know, you really got to consider yeah. this guy. 
So um, yeah, Der- Derrick Henry. Somebody said, "Oh, he's gonna be a bust." Yeah, he's he busting ass, busting left and right. Yeah, he is. <laughs> that that's that's really what he's doing. Trey Dizzle, you are gonna love uh, this, Scotty D. He's fine. I think he t- here. Here come in the words of Be Live. Here come the foolishness. Here we go. Trey Dizzle said, "Tony Romo. Clearly, anyone who can dominate <laughs> as an Eastern Illinois Panther should win every award. The Dope Walker, the Lou Groza, all those awards, non-quarterback awards, win every last damn one of them. <laughs> he should have gotten the Heisman Trophy every year he played there by default because he is Tony Romo. And if you disagree, then you're stupid." <laughs> Guess I'm yeah, I in. guess uh, well, Trey wins a participation trophy for that answer. Yeah, there we go. There we go. There we go. Well, um, what was Eastern Illinois Division Two? I, I have time? no idea. I because I honestly I never heard of Tony Romo till I was looking at the Cowboys practice squad. You know, I, I didn't know that kid coming out of school. <laughs> never heard of him. Trey Duke. You know what? Tony Romo was good. I'm over here looking at his list of accomplishments. At um, Eastern Illinois, you know, he led um, his conference in efficiency and all that good stuff and all those um, statistics that count. So he would have won the Walter Payton Award at that time. Yes, the um, the equivalent, the one double A equivalent. Win it. He did to win the Heisman. It. Yep, and he did. Well, well see, there you go, Trey Yeah, you, you, yep, yep. Your man, your man got the award. He sure did. He probably beat out Ricky Santos or somebody that played for New Hampshire University or something like that. Yeah, well, anyway, so he didn't get snubbed. So, so Trey, that, that that invalidates that that answer. Yeah, uh, Trey Dizzle, your man did win an award. It wasn't the Heisman, but he won the equivalent on the Double A level, the uh, Walter Payton Award. Um, just let you, just let our listeners know, we did a little research. I had an idea that was a Walter Payton Award, but I didn't know. But you know, we don't want to sound like dummies on the podcast, so there you have it, Trey Dizzle. Your guy did win the award. It was the Walter Payton Award, so he was good at that level. Uh, Mary Ellen Bessett, she said definitely Deshaun Watson. Yeah, and I'm sure that was the answer to be live if you were awake with us here. He would give us that answer as well because I I personally thought that Deshaun Watson should have won that award over Lamar Jackson. Just watching the two of them play, Deshaun Watson seemed to be a slightly superior college football quarterback. Lamar Jackson may have been a little bit more exciting, but... I agree with that answer too. I, I think that I think the wrong guy got the Heisman that year. I remember watching um Lamar Jackson in twenty fifteen at Louisville and I'm like, what the hell is this? What what is he doing? Yep. This guy's bad. And then the year after that, he turned it around and turned it up. And and so, uh, he, he also yeah. uh they faced each other head to head and Deshaun Watson beat him in prime time. Yep, that was that was a big time marquee game. So, uh, yeah, Mary Ellen, uh, yeah, Deshaun Watson should have won that one. He should have won that one. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we said Joe Gafkin. He mentioned Adrian Peterson was my pick as well too. Um, Martin Tracy, Matty Ice. He said Deion Sanders. I think I think he lost to Barry Sanders. So, Deion Sanders lost to Barry Sanders. I mean, either way, <laughs> yeah. one of them Sanders boys yeah. was going to win it. It was going to have sense too, but uh, yeah, yeah. Deion Sanders, man, he was another one of those guys that was all over the place doing anything. He was, you know, he was Charles Woodson before Charles Woodson. But uh, in this particular instance, it didn't work out in his favor. Uh, Rambus Evans, he said, Colt Brennan, undefeated Hawaii team, um, undefeated 
undefeated Hawaii team, but finished nine and three. Uh, Tim Tebow took the hard way. Sorry, going to agree with Tebow on that one. Tebow was yeah, one of the just, great uh, college players yeah. ever. Once again, man, it's that uh, no one staying up to watch uh, Hawaii <laughs> versus Arizona. I mean, if it's a one o'clock game, which means it'll be like yeah, what, a ten o'clock game yeah. there. I mean, yeah, you'll you'll have some you'll have some eyes on it, unless it's like the hula bowl or something like that. But other than that, man, no one's really you know, other than Scotty <laughs> D and myself, you know, the, the night out, you know, everybody else is like is is ten ten thirty yeah. checked out, checked out. They they checked out on the East Coast, they checked out. But um, yeah, uh, Uncle Max gives us a blast from the past. What's going on, Uncle Max? Long time to hear from, man. I hope all is well with you. Um, he said Johnny. Major. So that was from 1956, and Paul Horning won that one for Notre Dame. And Johnny Majors and Jim Brown both ended up looking up at that one. You know, both of those other guys. That, that was a hotly contested one, from what I understand. Obviously, a little bit before my time, but um, Paul Horning was also another NFL legend. So I that's just one that's too tough to to comment on. But uh, Johnny Majors was undefeated, I guess, at uh, for Tennessee, I believe, and Jim Brown was getting his his groove on with Syracuse, but neither one were able to overcome Paul Horning that year. Hey man, that's yeah. that Notre Dame swag, even back in '56. Yeah, Paul Horning, man, um, the Golden Boy, Paul Horning. He won the Heisman back in 1956. I'm looking at some other names. Let me see. Alan Mitchell won '54. Howard Cassidy, Bill Vessels, Dick Casmire. Hey man, uh, Doak Walker. Yeah, who later had an award right. named after him. Uh. Yeah, Glenn Davis from Army. Got a couple Army guys won the award as well, too. Uh, but back on track, um, yes. Yeah, so uh, guess what, Scotty D? All right, I already said Adrian Peterson, who lost to Jason freaking White. Uh, I'm sorry, who lost to Matt Leinart and Scotty D? I said Larry Fitzgerald, definitely. Uh, also wanted to mention one that I put on our page, and that was uh, Gino Toretto beating Marshall Falk in 1992. Uh, that's another classic case of what I was saying where you look back and one guy's pro career interferes with uh, the w- the way you looked at them in college. But I, at the time, also remember thinking Gino Toretto was was part of an incredible Miami team where he was just a, a good player. But anyway, so yeah, lots of good lots of good feedback from our listeners. So thank you everybody for for uh, checking in with us on that this week. Yep, we greatly appreciate it. So shout out to David Terrible Pete. Mike Davis, Ill Will Berry, Trey Dizzle, Mary Ellen, Big Time, Joe Gafkin. Have you seen Joe's jump shot? Oh, <laughs> silky smooth. Joe got a jump yeah, shot, y'all. Everybody watch out. Joe Joe got a jump shot. And uh, Matty Ice, uh, Rambus Evans, and Uncle Max with their participation in this week's Choices of the Voices. Scotty D, what's on tap for next All right, week? well, as again, as we're recording this, I'm getting ready for Monday Night Football, watching my Dallas Cowboys Hopefully, get back on track here. So, in the in the in the mindset of Monday Night Football, I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite NFL moment that happened on Monday Night Football? There have been some classic moments through the years on Monday Night Football. That's what we're looking for, just specific to Monday nights. So that's what we're talking next week. There, Eddie, cool. Monday night. Yep, we're going to talk about Monday Night Football. Your greatest, most memorable moments. In the history of the world, well, actually, well, that you can remember on Monday night. Scotty D, guess what? It's time to go home. It's time to round that corner, slide into first base. But before we do that, I'm sorry, slide into home plate because who slides into first base? Not right? many. <laughs> not many, not many. Only special breeze slide into first base. 
Bartolo Colon, perhaps? Nah, I miss him, man. <laughs> I really miss Bartolo Colon. I really do. Yeah. Giving up for the 40 year olds and the big dudes. Hey, Belly power, baby. Baseball for 45 years. I mean, he had to. He's played, what, what, 56 <laughs> years? Yeah, good old Bartolo. Yeah. Can eat a hot dog and hit a baseball 100 feet. <laughs> that's an old man straight from or he, he summoned all that strength from his belly yeah. one time he gets uh-huh. a home run that came from the belly and just and just lifted it out of here alright enough about the legendary Bartolo Colon Scotty D let's go for a round of it. pepper shall we alright y'all know how we do it three topics rapid fire style kind of sort of not really uh, we're here to entertain educate and just have some overall fun alright and I'll go first um Mike Doc Emmerich, mm. Scotty D. We know uh we know I'm good old be sad Doc, don't on this we? one. He taught us the word oh, exaltation. He is he's a he's a legend. Yes. Yes. My and, and I had no idea that he yeah, was I didn't years realize old. that either until uh early d- during the summer pandemic and I looked it up. I I was surprised as well. And I mean that that goes to show you take care of yourself, your age well. But the reason I'm bringing up Mike Doc Emmerich is because the legendary voice of the NHL, he said, you know what? I'm going to retire. Mike Doc Emmerich hangs it up after damn near 50-year announcing career. Uh, over that time, he's called he has called 22 Stanley Cup finals and six Olympic games, which brings that to a grand total of 3,750-plus total games that he's called. Also a little-known fact, Back in 92 and 93, he called a handful of NFL games as well, too. Now, Scotty D, why, why did they, they call him Doc? Doc? Oh, I'm glad you asked why they call him Doc Emmerich. It's just not like a nickname like Steve Dr. Death Williams or Doc Gooden. He's actually a Ph.D. because he earned his Ph.D. in communications in radio, TV, and film at Bowling Green University back in 1976. You know, as a communications major slash minor, I knew I had a liking to the doc, Mike Emmerich. So, uh, hey, man, enjoy your retirement, man. Thanks for years of endless entertainment on the ice. Yeah, man. Uh, to me, Doc Emmerich is like the Vince Scully of the NHL. He, he he made the game so much more exciting, and I am really going to miss hearing him in during NHL playoff time. So good call on that, Eddie. All right, uh, so coming up this this Saturday night coming, we will have Khabib Nurmagomedov against Justin Gaethje for the lightweight unification bout in the UFC. Uh, I am super oh, yeah. looking forward to this fight. We haven't seen Khabib in a while. Um, we also have Robert Whitaker against Jared Cannonier in for in the middleweight. That winner most likely is going to fight Israel Adesanya. That's probably going to be his next fight. Uh, interesting thing about Khabib, he doesn't really seem to care about anything other than just fighting dudes and beating dudes up because he recently actually turned down an opportunity to be on the Ultimate Fighter going against Conor McGregor, and he said, eh-eh. I'm not giving Connor that attention too bad. So I'm just going to go out and whoop Justin Gaethje. And so that's it. UFC coming up this, this Saturday night, UFC 254 pay-per-view. Over to you. Khabib is a guy that wrestled a bear. <laughs> There's videos of him wrestling a bear. So if I was him, I would bypass Connor too. Cause hell I've fought in tougher. Yeah. I've fought in a whole live freaking bear and there's video proof. And I'm like, you know what? 
I don't care if I am 265, 75 pounds, and he's, you know, 100 plus pounds. He wrestled freaking bear. I don't want to <laughs> mess with him. Do not want to mess with him. All right. On this day in 1963, Jim Brown, the guy we just mentioned earlier in the last segment, he says the then the NFL season single rushing record with 1,863 yards. That was later broken in 1973 by the one, the only, Orenthal James Simpson, a.k.a. The Juice, a.k.a. O.J. Simpson. It has been broken several times over since. So, Jim Brown, setting records and setting trends back in 1963. Over to you, Scotty. All right. (laughs) So, uh, sticking on the topic of combat sports here, this past Saturday night was a perfect night for boxing. It was a a pay-per-view style event on regular TV. It was on ESPN. It was Tiafimo Lopez in a lightweight title fight, a unification bout against Vasily Lomachenko. And many people consider Lomachenko to be the current pound-for-pound best in the world. And he lost on Saturday night to Lopez. This young kid, I think he's 23, 24 years old. He's an up-and-comer, but he's already arrived. And by beating Lomachenko, he has stamped his name among the greats in boxing. Uh, Like I said, it was perfect, Eddie, for, for... a sport that a lot of people say are dying to put this fight on regular TV. I do think they maybe should have put it on a little bit earlier because a lot of, like we say, Saturday nights, people's eyes are, are shutting and they're missing this. But it was a really good fight. Uh, Lopez definitely was the right guy to win it. There's a lot of controversy about the judging. Not that the wrong person won, but one judge had it 11 rounds in Lopez's favor, and he clearly lost rounds 8, 9, 10, and 11. I mean, it was it was obvious that Lomachenko was rallying late, but he gave up too many early rounds. Anyway, a good night for boxing this past Saturday night. Over to you. So, Scotty D, I, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this upcoming UFC card, I think they're going to start that at, like, what? The prelims start at 12? Oh, uh, actually, I think this is, yeah, I think uh, the main card starts at 2 o'clock Eastern time this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right, Eddie. That's going to be interesting, man, because uh, ah, it, I, I, isn't this the weekend where everybody comes back from uh, college football? It, like I think you like, might be right, yeah. Ooh, that's interesting. Interestante. Oh, yeah, in case you, uh, we forgot to mention, um, this upcoming weekend, everybody will be back. Uh, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, the MAC, and the Mountain West. Yeah, everybody going to be coming back playing football, so – We'll have some more meaningful games. So that's why we didn't talk about college football as much. We want to wait till everybody come back. And we got everybody coming back. Going on to my third and final pepper point on this day in history. Back in 1931, Mickey Mantle. Yes, the Mick was born in Spavanaugh, Oklahoma. But he died in 1995. Um he was the legendary New York Yankees outfielder. He was a 20-time All-Star and the 1956 Triple Crown winner. Happy birthday to you, Mick. Over to you, Scotty. Mickey Mantle died in 1995. Is that what you just told me? Yep, 1995. Oh, hard to believe he's been gone that long. Yeah, uh, yeah, 90. Because I remember, like, yeah, legend, New York legend, Yankees legend, Mickey Mantle dies in 95, and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Yep, been going a long time. And think about it, Eddie Guerrero's been going a good while too. Yeah, yeah. Wow, how about it? All right. Um, yeah. Well, I just I wanted to uh, share something with you um, because of the pandemic. I've been spending some time in Pennsylvania the last several months, and I've been attending a church up there in in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, 
that, that's called the Bible Chapel, and this is not a just a singular place. It's a it's a it's a one church that has like satellite churches. There's a few under the umbrella of of that in the area. And one of the directors of men's ministry is former Pittsburgh Steeler Tunch Ilkin. Uh, many of you may remember Tunch Ilkin. He played from 1980 to 1992 with the Steelers. He was a two-time Pro Bowl tackle. Um, so he's been also doing some Steelers radio and, and uh, broadcasting through the years, uh, stuck in Western Pennsylvania. He was a Turkish guy who converted from Islam to Christianity, and he's been serving in the Bible chapel for, for the last several years. And uh, two weeks ago, he announced that he has been diagnosed with ALS. And a lot of us remember how big ALS came to the forefront a few years ago with the ice bucket challenge. Remember, you couldn't go on Facebook without seeing someone getting a, a bucket of ice dumped on their head. That was a big one. But ALS at this point is an uncurable disease. Uh, they typically say that you, you survive three to five years on it. And Tunchilkin lost his wife in 2012 to a cancer battle, and they have three kids. I don't know the ages of the kids, but uh, just wanted to mention that if you are a Christ follower like myself, please keep Tunchilkin in your prayers because he could really use them right now. And uh, trust me, come, that, that that's big news coming for me to be praying for a Pittsburgh Steeler. So if you if you don't mind mentioning Tunchilkin in your prayers. We could really appreciate it. And that's all I got for Pepper this week, Eddie. Yep, that's all I got for Pepper, too. Sky D, you got anything to say before we get up out of here? And uh, you watch the Cowboys, I watch wrestling and eat this soup. And that's anything it, else? man. Let's move along. And uh, thank you, everybody, for, for checking us out. And uh, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, share this podcast with others because we're having a great time doing it. And we want to expand our sports bros family to sports bros and sports sisters out there everywhere so thank you everyone for for uh spending some time with us we greatly appreciate that one big old family where can they reach you can find me on facebook and for the next week you can find me in myrtle beach south carolina soaking in the sun yeah you said it's nice down there right real nice 80 degrees here this week i'm jealous i'm up in ohio and it's like it's it's cold outside i had to bring i had to bust out the boots and the (laughs) jeans and I had to make the whole, you know, the the conversion from um, I had to make the uh, conversion from um, my summer wear to my fall wear, which is you know trending quickly to winter wear. Yeah, man, trending quickly to winter wear. That's one of the things I miss about living in the South. But I think I'm due for a trip down South soon. But don't tell nobody. But you know, it's worldwide, and it doesn't matter. Me, I'm Eddie Cool, the HOC here at this thing called the Sports Bowls Podcast. I'm all over the place. I'm like oxygen. I'm all over the place. You can check me out on Facebook, Eddie Cool. You can check me out on Instagram, Cool Season, all one word. Don't forget to check me out on TikTok. Yes, those little standings videos that I've made, been making, yeah, courtesy of TikTok. They're funny too, buddy. Gives They're me good. a chance to explain. Oh, yes, they are very funny. I, I enjoy yeah, doing cool. them, man. People tell me, hey, Eddie, they really enjoy these videos. I'll be doing some more sports-related content on TikTok as well, too. So if you're on TikTok, follow me at Eddie Cool. That's right. Uh, let's see. So if you're on Snapchat, Super Cool 5000. Um, and all the Sports Bros podcast platforms from the YouTube channel to the WordPress, you look for us, we're there, the Sports Bros podcast. And since you ain't here, I got to represent for him. The Almighty Be Live, you can catch him at Max Speed Shop, 482 North McTivish and Shorts Road, Fayetteville, North Carolina, beers, brisket, grits, Zima, collard <laughs> greens, tomatoes, 
turkeys, chitlins. He now. They working him He's to death. They working him to death down there. So come back to us soon, B Live. Come back soon, buddy. Yeah. So if you see B Live, man, give him a hug. Show him some love. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Give him a hug. Show him some love. Be live, man. Do what you got to do. We completely understand it. We ain't mad. Not none. Oh, not none at all. Well, Scotty D, that's it. Okay. Let's get about here. All right. And in closing, do something nice for yourself. And if you can, do something nice for someone else. They'll greatly appreciate it now more than ever. Episode 81 of Sports World's Podcast is done and in the books. Y'all take care. Yes, sir. Bye. <laughs>